In today's episode, I have one of my closest friends and soul sisters, Cole Witty, here with me, and I am so excited for you to jump into this episode. We are going to discuss the power of psychedelics and plant medicine, aka power plants, as Cole refers to them as. We're also going to discuss the importance, the vital, crucial importance of integration and integrating your experience after a beautiful psychedelic journey, and also how you can support other people with their integration experience. So if you are a coach, a healer, and you are wanting to support your clients in a more in-depth, powerful way, then you definitely want to keep listening to this. I'll share a little bit more about how her and her husband help people um, in just a moment. But Cole is actually the person who introduced me to the world of psychedelics and plant medicine seven years ago, which has completely transformed my life. And to be honest with you, it's been a big inspiration behind my brand and business. And Cole has an incredible story of her own, which you are going to hear a little bit about in this podcast episode. She was you know, in a coma for drug overdose at 17. Then she started helping people overcome addiction. She's had a lot of um, body pain issues that she has been able to heal. And all of the things that she's been through and experienced in her journey has really led her to the path of supporting others in integrating their experience and deep healing through psychedelics and also supporting their clients through uh, the integration experience after their journeys. So Cole and her husband, Ta, do this work together. And I'm going to have Ta on in a separate episode because he just needs his own episode as well. And they've been doing this work for a long time. They're two of the most incredible people I know. They are like family to me. And two of the most incredible facilitators and teachers and trainers with everything that they've been doing. And so I'm excited for this episode with Cole. I'm excited to have Ta on. And I want to invite you to check out their certification program, which is called the Condor Approach, where they are now helping um, heart-centered coaches and skilled professionals with the tools, skills, and knowledge to facilitate um, integration for their clients, help them with their integration after really expansive psychedelic experiences, because this is truly where it's at and where it's actually lacking a lot. The integration piece is really lacking a lot with the psychedelic experiences. There's so many people who facilitate psychedelic experiences or plant medicine, you know, people going to retreats and all of that jazz. And they have these amazing transformative experiences, but the integration piece is lacking. They don't have the proper support to then come home to integrate and have new habits and rituals to support the transformation that they went through. So oftentimes people end up reverting back to the same old patterns and cycles, and they don't actually get a whole lot done because of that. So integration is not optional. It is key. And um, with Cole and Ta's certification program, the Condor Approach, they are facilitating uh, this training for psychedelic informed practitioners. So if you want to add another skill 
to your tool belt. This is something I highly, highly recommend. And you can find more information in the show notes as well. And so make sure you check out the show notes. You can also find out where to connect with Cole and see all the other things that they are doing. So without further ado, let's welcome Cole onto the show. Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Babe podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to step into your power and manifest a life and business that sets your soul on fire, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Stephanie Bellinger, and I'm a mindset and success coach for spiritual entrepreneurs. I am obsessed with helping my fellow soul sisters shine their light and live out their purpose so they can experience more magic in everyday life. We all have a special purpose here and we're meant to share our message and gifts with the world. You deserve to be fully supported emotionally, spiritually, and financially from doing your soul's work. Together, we can make a massive impact in the world and it's time. So let's do this. Welcome to the show, Cole. I am so excited to have you here. It's been a hot minute since you've been on the podcast and it's time. It is time. I feel like it's a time for a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Like we just had a really good burger. It was time for that. It was time for that. (laughs) It's definitely time for some lake time sooner than later too in Austin. So for those of you listening, Cole is one of my really good friends and soul sisters. She's actually the one who got me into plant medicine and psychedelics a long time ago, about seven years ago now, which is crazy to think about. And I wanted to have her on the show to jam out more on psychedelics, psychedelic integration. Um, I know a lot of people listening may be into the psychedelic realm or supporting people through their process. And we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll unpack what we can unpack today because it's a lot to talk yeah, about. It really is. Where do you want to start? Um, I <laughs> guess so many. Yeah. Yeah. So I will start with what we were kind of talking about before. I, I have felt this and I know a lot of people in my realm of awareness have experienced this calling to um, serve and support people in either inside of the psychedelic space or afterwards. And a lot of times that calling is very strong and people get really excited. I know I did. And when I first started, mm-hmm. you remember, I do. <laughs> and I kind of put it on the, the side. Cause I'm like, well, do I really want to do that? And then I realized, well, at least during this time, uh, no, I don't, but I like guiding people to it. And I have actually started, kind of started refraining from sharing about it as much as I used to in the way that I used to, because I've seen a lot of people, um, excitedly share without having so much experience in the realm. And I've seen it cause a little bit more harm than good. And so I would love to kind of expand a little bit on that first, and then we'll get into all the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, just like you said, when you first got into it, everyone gets excited because it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, maybe they're, they've discovered their heart for the first time. Maybe they're feeling safe for the first time. Maybe they're, you know, whatever that is, it, it's no wonder that people come out so excited. Um, you know, let me back it up a little bit to give some context, because I think that I speak about it quite differently um, than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for me, you won't hear me call it plant medicine. Mm-hmm. Um the, the simplest kind of context I lay out first is people come to this work for three reasons. Um, and they usually come to it initially out of inspiration or desperation. And then they either need healing 
want to become a healer or are looking for optimization. Like what's the future for humanity? And they, they, they're looking to connect to the masters and the teachers from the perspective of where is humanity going? Or what I say, like the condor energy, it's that high level perspective. What's over the horizon for us, right? Because what got us here isn't going to get us to where we need to go. And so I'm coming from the realm currently of condor energy, which is Condors are vultures. They're South American birds, the power animal for Peru. And so where us in North America, it's the eagle, the condor is South America. So condors as vultures help to transmute and change something that's dying, decomposing. Mm. And so for me, the condor people right now, the one of stepping into condor energy are here to transmute and transform the old systems that don't work. Mm. And so when, when most people first came into the work, which was the case for me, they're looking for healing. Mm -hmm. They're desperate. Um, and for me, that was endometriosis. It had an ovarian torsion, fibromyalgia, migraines, hypothyroidism. I was sick and I was, you know, praying to any God I could get my hands at, um, hands on to say like, I've, I'm doing everything that I can. And I was 26 when I got introduced to the work and it was like, what, what do I need to know? Or how am I going to get there? And so initially I came into it seeking healing. Um, and it was a scary place to consider because I came from the once an addict, always an addict paradigm that I had been in that world and clean for six years from substances. And so the idea of psychedelics or power plants or fungi was terrifying, but I was so desperate. I was willing to consider outside of what was in my life. And so for my first six years, it was all healing. Mm. And it wasn't, I was actually pretty resistant to holding space for other people initially. Uh, much like you said, when I started to really understand the level of responsibility. That's what it really is, the yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I was honestly like, I, I don't want that responsibility right now. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that I have what I need if, if this goes sideways, you know? And I watched other people guide people that weren't equipped and what happened and how much worse off quite often the person was because then they felt abandoned by who was they had placed their savior mm. ideas on, whether the substance or the facilitator. Um, and so I was just like, mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> and people started to ask because there wasn't a lot of options, mm. right? We're talking, I got into this work 14 years ago. It was really hard to find a facilitator then. Now, I mean, we're in Austin. I could throw a taco off my balcony and I'd hit two <laughs> for sure. <laughs> two shamans or at least facilitators. Yeah. And so then I started to get more messages in my experiences that were like, look, people trust you. And so um, that was about the time Ta got involved in the work. And I think what really made me feel safe to step into it was he'd been a nurse for 25 years at that point or 20, mm -hmm. I guess at that point had been like 23 years. And so knowing having someone with that background mm. made me feel safer um, because he had triaged people. He knew contraindications and medications and medical conditions to consider. And we first started as personal trainers, which is how I met you mm -hmm. was in our fitness days, I right? Know. Doing infomercials with Sean T. How much time flies. <laughs> oh, and how much life has, I feel like we're on like three iterations since then. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was working on my own individual process in psychedelic spaces at that point, it wasn't until enough people were like, they, 
I was introducing them to my teachers and they were like, no, I trust you. Mm. I feel safe with you. I don't, I don't want to go to them. And I was honest of just like, I, I, here's what I'm equipped to hold space for, but I'm not trauma. This was back then. I'm not trauma informed. I, I don't understand your lived experience or how I could support it, but it was my honesty that helped people feel safer because I never pretended mm-hmm. that I could do more than I could do. Mm-hmm. I said, I can hold space. I can love you. I can bear witness to your story. I cannot save you. And it, it and I didn't know at the time how deep that meaning was. Yeah. Um, and so as people go into these experiences, um, I get why they get excited of like, everyone needs to know about this. Yeah. I wanted the whole freaking world to know. Oh, I remember. <laughs> We're like, Cole, we have to tell everyone. I was like, uh. but just like you said, when you, when you initially get excited, you start telling everyone, um, then you start to see everyone. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly not everyone all of the time mm-hmm. and not every substance is for everyone. Exactly. Um, and that's something that you see in time and experience. And so, you know, where I think we could really take this conversation now is educating, right? Like how do you find a safe container for yourself when you can find now event brights of people doing ayahuasca journeys, which mm-hmm. honestly for me is terrifying for two reasons. <laughs> One, if someone has to use event they're probably not getting referrals. Yeah. Because when you are creating a high level of transformation, people tell everyone. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, right? Like yeah. there was at one point you, I were, mean, I you were filling so up many, half the group. I know. <laughs> I sent everyone. Right. And so for me, that's a pretty big indicator. One, that, pers- that, that that person doesn't have community they're sharing with. Mm. Um, the other thing that concerns me is even if someone is covered under what they believe is religious law, on a federal level, they're still doing something illegal. Mm. Now, let's say you or me as like two white women get caught, we're probably not going to go to jail if we don't have a lot of substances on us. Um, however, that's not going to be the case for say my husband, mm-hmm. uh, or darker melanated people that we already know our prison system, um, puts in at a very, very high rate and does not take out. Mm-hmm. And so I've watched different ayahuasqueros, curanderas, um, ending up in prison who don't have access to a good lawyer, even though it's a part of their cultural background, Mm. it can be years of court cases. So even if you end up winning your case, at what cost? And so I think that one of the important parts that I really want to stress in this conversation is anyone that tells you what you're doing is legal, be mindful. Yeah. Um, because you know, we've got more areas in the U S that is decriminalized. We have more areas, even where there's legalization happening, but you have to understand on the local levels, they're not talking to the big government officials. And so just because something becomes legalized local does not mean you are free from any of like the federal level Mm -hmm. aspects. Mm -hmm. So just as like one example, let's say someone's in Oregon, right? Decriminalized and even legalized in, in some ways does not mean as a facilitator that I can take 40 grams of mushrooms to go conduct a ceremony. Mm-hmm. Maybe right now there's some gray area, but again, depends who catches you under what context, what color your skin is, is going to probably impact that if I just look at the historical data. And so if let's say you've got 10 people and you're going to give them each two grams of mushrooms. And so now you're carrying, I just lost math, 20 <laughs> or whatever I said. 
I said 10 people to go 20. Perfect (laughs) math. Then now I could be carrying amounts that are taking me into like being a dealer Mm -hmm. level. They don't ask, why are you carrying that much as Mm -hmm. if one amount is okay. So you need to know what your laws are legally where you are, not what someone tells you. And so it's getting really messy right now Mm. with these, with so many people that are taking two week certifications or a weekend certification Yep, Mm. to become a shaman of, you know, Cambo or Bufo or whatever. Um, These are some, these are things that it's outside of just like the chemical component. I feel like stuff like that should take like years of mentorship and, you know, practicing with someone and yeah i mean look with someone who's it's like in their lineage even like you know yeah here's the thing right is like it's one thing to talk about the chem like giving someone a substance is quite easy what comes after the substance is what most people don't even follow up with or check. Mm -hmm. And so- integration. Totally, right? And so Ta and I say, like our entire mission is built around integration is not optional. And most people are saying, yeah, well, I don't do the integration because I do the, you know, spiritual stuff at the journey. Mm. For me, that's fine. But then you must have someone to send your people to. Because Mm. if you're just giving a substance- for me, it's because you don't understand integration. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of groups don't do so much integration. They Most get, don't. Well, they that's a lot uh, in addition to the the group. So yeah. what you guys are doing now with helping people with integration, facilitating or coaching, mm-hmm. which we'll get to, is vital because not that many people do it. I mean, I've been to many groups and there's very little to none. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine how that would is for people who have very little experience with certain substances. And community, and right? community, for because sure. Because part of the difference and the privilege that you and I have is the community we've been surrounded by in this work. Mm-hmm. We've always had friends or mentors that would step in, give us tools, resources, teach us something we could explore, plus our own innate drive to find tools and resources because we're we're both teachers in some capacity, right? Like I learn things and then I teach the things I learn. Same. Right. <laughs> and so not everybody has that. And then if you factor in that they have kids or they live in a small town where they don't have access to people that are exploring these kinds of things, then they may not... Here's how I describe it, right? If someone goes and has a big expansive experience at a retreat center, right? We'll just say they pack up and go to Costa Rica Mm -hmm. where it's legal. They have this big experience and they head back home, but they're returning to the environment that they were in before. So yeah, they retreated. They were able to get out of and experience something different, but they're coming back based on willpower. And just like when we were in our fitness days, willpower lasts four to six weeks right? Someone would start a new diet or a new workout plan or whatever, and they'd fall off. It's because when you return to your old environment, people want you and expect you to be a certain way. And so when you come back totally different, you'll have the people that are like, oh, we'll see how long this lasts. Mm. Oh yeah. You always do stuff like this. Mm. Then you fall back, right? These people that I don't blame them for it, but it's like, you're an actor in a play and you just came back with new lines to the scene. Mm. So you're returning to a Shakespearean play, trying to, you know, read words from Anchorman. And people are like, that's not the words. You're not fitting into our scene anymore. Mm. And so they'll actually push buttons to, to try to get the person back in line to conform again. 
which is why people end up journeying again Mm -hmm. in a month or less because the willpower starts to fade. And as long as you rely on willpower alone, you've got to have systems. We call it a life team. You've got Mm -hmm. to have either a coach or a friend or community or someone or something to help keep you, help remind you, right? Because how many times, whether it's Anthony Robbins or program to program, people do it all the time and they get super amped and excited. They leave the experience. They're so pumped. They're like, everything's going to change. I'm never going back to the way that I was. Mm. You don't ever go back, but it almost hurts more because now you know what you don't have. Now you know how trapped you really are. If you're in a marriage you don't want to be in, if you're in a town you don't want to be in, but you can't leave because of your kids or split custody, you're at a job you can't leave because you need insurance, because you have a child that's sick, that can create overwhelm because now you're like, well, now I feel further from feeling like I can ever escape. Hmm. That can create hopelessness. That can create disconnect. That can create isolation, hopelessness. People give up. Yeah. Right. And so for us, we had, there has to be an integration plan. What happens when? So let's say in a journey, you have this big realization. You're like, oh my gosh, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm here to do. And it's so clear. And I believe in myself and I'm going to impact so many lives. And then you get back home and your mom makes some comment that makes you question yourself, right? Because our parents are our family. I feel they can just say the perfect thing. And it's like this infrastructure of power you had crumbles. (laughs) And then it's just like, but how? Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. Mm. And then they don't have any model or anyone to look around that's created that for themselves. So they don't know what to do. And then that confusion, they just get buried. And then they have to either dissociate to survive or go back to being busy. Mm. I don't have time for that. And so that it becomes this cycle over and over that repeats in psychedelics too. And with power plants and master mycelium. So, you know, it's, it is a powerful tool. They are incredible teachers, but if you don't have a plan afterwards, even if the plan, even if you realize you need to take alone time, Mm -hmm. there's a difference between not being with people and taking intentional time with yourself. Not doing anything and being in stillness, like in quiet, is different than expanding into stillness. Mm. Being so present, you can hear the birds, feeling the sun on your skin. That's different than, I just don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's actually embracing that silence and the space, right? And so for me, after these experiences, integration is when you intentionally create rituals. Muggles call them habits. I call them rituals. (laughs) And the difference between a ritual and a habit is intention. Mm -hmm. So if I get up and make my bed every day and I, it's just a habit, I don't think much about it. Mm -hmm. When I make it a ritual, then making the bed is like laying to rest everything from yesterday, Mm. starting the day fresh. Right. And so when I bring intention to my habits, I become more present and aware. And then I'm co-creating moment by moment. And I don't rely the same on having to journey Mm -hmm. to be able to have the ritual and to connect again. So uh, thank you for sharing all of that. That was good. That was a lot. 
and a lot of uh, things have come up uh, when you were talking. So when it comes to creating like rituals and habits or rituals, we'll just keep it at ritual. <laughs> right. Um, like, do you have some examples that you've helped other people with um, in regards to that? Because I know for me and people that I've, you know, known uh, that can get a little tricky at some points is like, well, what do I change? You know, if I've already been changing a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, what really creates the lasting shifts for a lot of people, I guess is different for everyone depending sure. on the situation and depending on the journey. Right. Mm-hmm. So there I'll do some simple examples. So for one example, I had a moment at a journey that I participated in where a man that was there walked me through a visualization. Uh, he was a participant. He wasn't a facilitator there. But as we were talking, I had said he he got teary-eyed. He was missing his wife and his daughter. They live in another country or he was visiting from another country mm. and he was just missing them dearly. And he got teary-eyed and he's like, you know, when you just miss someone so much, you you feel like crying. Now this was Cole 14 years ago. And I was like, no. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, like when you're so happy that you're, you cry. And I was like, no. Mm. And this was in my first marriage. He said, what about on your wedding day? And I was like, nope, definitely did not cry on my wedding day. Maybe Mm. for other reasons I might've wanted to cry, but, um, that just wasn't, I remember thinking in that moment, like, wow, how messed up am I that this guy feels bad for me? He's crying that I don't cry, that I'm happy. Wow. Um, but I was hardened, you know, like that just for lots of reasons. And so he said, I'd love to guide you through a visualization if you're open to it. It's like, sure. And in, so as, uh, I would, that night I was working with something that this, this facilitator calls heart medicine. So probably an MDA, which is sassafras or MDMA. Mm -hmm. So serotonin releaser help you feel good. Very, very light. And so as I'm laying down, this uh, man starts, he goes, okay, so I want to take, take you back to before you lost your innocence. And he didn't explain what that meant at all. And he might've even said it different words because it's been quite a while now. Right. Um, but basically I went back to the day before assaults on my sexuality started at eight years old. And it was a really potent moment in my life. Cause I grew up Mormon in Utah and in the Mormon religion, you get baptized at eight. And so this was the week after my eighth birthday. Mm. And so the week after my baptism, so I was pure and clean. And so in this moment, in this experience, I was ruined in my Mm. model of the world. And so I was going to go to hell and, you know, all of these things. And so I didn't know that that experience, there was something in that, that I lost my innocence and internalized shame. And it went on for four years. It went on for quite a while. Mm. And in this visualization, he took me back to the day before it happened. And he he basically was like, all right, we're going to go back. Now I want you to, can you see little Cole in your mind? I was like, yes. It's like, great. I want you to pick her up. Where are you going to take her? Where in the world? Mm -hmm. Anywhere. Where does she want to go? I was like, she wants to go to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And he's like, great. We're going to Disneyland. And so he's walking me through going on the rides Mm -hmm. and little Cole is squealing and having Mm -hmm. so much fun. And he's asking me what rides we're going on and I'm describing it. And 
you know, then we'd go on a ride again <laughs> because she's having so much fun and I'm feeling how lit up little me is, eight-year-old me, or I guess maybe seven or no, eight. Anyway. And I get to the end of the day, goes, okay, the sun is starting to sit. And I felt my whole heart drop because mm. I knew what was coming the next day for this mm. little girl. And he said, only this time, you're not going to take her back there. You're going to keep her with you where she's safe. The only place she'll ever be safe with the only person that could ever keep her safe. Mm. And in that moment, like I even get chills when I say it now. I was getting teary eyed as you're totally. sharing this. It was a big deal. Like this was a, in 14 years, this is one of three life-changing journeys mm. where everything changed. Wow. It's not every time. Yeah. And the next day we went to the park, everyone that had gone to the journey, we went to a park and one of the guys there had his camera and he's just taking pictures. I've been up all night, right? Mm. No makeup. Um, and there was a smile he took a picture of. I'd never seen the light in my eyes. Wow. And with no makeup, no editing on a photo, it was, I had my innocence back. And it's not something I knew I didn't have, mm. right? It's not something I was looking for that I felt like I lost. Yeah. And integrating that meant revisiting that picture every day for me. Mm. Closing my eyes and taking those moments to remember being on the ride with little me. Mm. holding little eight-year-old me in my arms and loving her and going through my mind, going on the ride we kept going on. It was the Matterhorn in my visualization mm -hmm. over and over. We were going on this ride, which is funny because I don't think that's one of my favorite rides <laughs> now, right? But eight-year-old me apparently yeah. loves it. And so integration was revisiting the realization or the moment so that I could embody it in every cell of my body mm. because the imagination is so powerful, mm -hmm. right? And so to integrate it, it's actually making it a part of a ritual until I believe it in every cell of my body to be true. Mm. And so I would close my eyes and I would imagine the squealing, the laughter just for a couple minutes, mm. place both my hands on my heart and really just like be with that eight-year-old version of me. And I did that every day when I woke up, when I was still in bed and every night before I went to sleep to connect with her. My relationships changed because I, I didn't realize that I was looking externally for someone to keep me safe. Mm. Relationships, men, adults, mentors, um, which also meant a lot of times I was around very aggressive people because I felt like they'd protect me in some way. Mm. Um, and I didn't need that anymore. And I didn't stay married too much longer mm -hmm. after that either. Wow. Um, because when you start to take responsibility for where you're participating in dynamics, um, you realize you're the only one that can change them. Mm. Sometimes that means ending a dynamic and sometimes it's reinventing it. For me, the realization was that I had been trying to find safety outside of myself my whole life. And because I really couldn't find it, I settled for a place that was less dangerous physically, uh, but not so much emotionally. It came with the, its own consequences, right? As mm -hmm. they always do when we're trying to find something outside of ourselves. Yeah. And so when it comes to integration, when I'm going, you know, when I'm setting an intention going into the experience, I'll say, well, 
what do I want to know, do, be, or understand from this process? And then after I get the understanding or the knowledge or realize what I need to do, then I create a, what happens when I forget? Mm. So what friends can I tell? Right? So let's say with an experience, like with my innocence, what ways can I connect to my innocence? Maybe I go take dance classes, Mm. right? Maybe I call a bunch of girlfriends to come over for a movie night in pajamas. How do I connect to that innocence, to that part of myself that had been abandoned or left behind or whatever? That's integration. Mm. And so when I make, when you do it intentionally and have people that know that's something that you're intentionally creating. Like accountability. Yes. Because then I have support, Mm -hmm. right? Then I have friends that can, um, let's say I'm getting really serious with work Mm -hmm. and they know that I've been working on play. Then they can be like, Cole, (laughs) come play with me. You've been working all day. Come play. Because I've communicated what I'm looking to have more of in my life, right? Mm. And so sometimes we don't know what that is. And so going through these psychedelic experiences and working with these master teachers, if you show up as a patient and someone that feels like there's something wrong with them or something that needs to be fixed, you're more likely to get a a teacher that's a doctor, someone that's going to prescribe something to you, someone that's going to try to fix it, but there's not the same accountability. If you, if you want to be able to really grow, this is my perspective and lots of people will disagree. For me, when you will show up to these experiences and take radical responsibility and say, I'm here as a student, even if that means I'm here to learn how to care for my body or how to care for my mental health or my boundaries, I'm here as a student because there's something I need to know, do, be, or understand to actualize what I want in my life. So I go to these um, experiences humbly asking to be shown, not fixed, not changed, just saying, this is what I want. What do I need to know either about myself or what I'm participating in or what might not be working? And then after that, I'm tracking my body. And this is what few people do in integration. They'll maybe journal. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe they'll do some breath work or go out in nature, ground their feet in the earth, which are all beautiful tools. But they aren't paying attention to the subtle, what their body may be trying to say in subtle cues. Mm, Like what specifically? Lots of things. So here's how I, because every person's unique, mm-hmm. right? We all have lived experiences that create certain adaptations and traumatic responses in our body. So what I say is when you're first learning to transcribe or translate your own body's language, first consider what is the function of a body part? So say my right ankle is just feeling kind of wonky today, just feels weird when I step on it. I might reflect, is there anything I'm resistant to stepping into in my life? Mm. Cause it's my right side. We say is masculine. So structure, getting things done. So is there anything I'm not stepping into? If it's my left leg, is there anything I'm bracing myself from? Right? So I'll look at the function of the body part mm-hmm. and then I'll look at a chakra map because emotions can be in certain areas of the body. Another example would be Let's say someone keeps getting sore throats, teeth issues, um, a cough, 
things that are, feel mostly like they're manifesting in their throat. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that throaty cough versus like a respiratory cough. Then I might ask them, what's their relationship to the truth right now? Do they feel like they're able to share their voice, their truth? Uh, Are they feeling heard? Are they able to communicate? Um, Are they able to express? Because when it's mouth, basically nose to your collarbone, then I'm thinking communication, truth, expression. And I'll tell you, Steph, in especially since COVID the last couple of years, people that had long COVID, right? Respiratory around Mm -hmm. the heart. Every person where I did grief work with, their body released the manifestations of COVID, the virus, whatever, you know, you want to call it or however they relate to it. Mm. There was unresolved grief on their heart. And so their body wasn't letting go. Mm. And once we did some grief work, then their body was able to process. So starting what's the function of the body part, and then you can compare it to a chakra map, just Google Mm. chakra maps, right? Uh, medical medium has ideas. Uh, Christian Northrup has ideas. There's also a site or something where different body parts or different illnesses. Mm-hmm. I forget what it is. There's lots. Yeah. Um, like it tells you what they relate to energetically, emotionally. Totally. And, uh, another great book for it. Um, mind body code by Mark, Dr. Mario Martinez. Incredible. Mm. Um, and so the thing was, for myself, I started to track all of that because I had all these manifestations of disease and illness and I got sick all the time. And so as I went through my psychedelic experiences, I had the emotional healing, mental healing. I changed my lifestyle. I lost 50 pounds. I you know, had so much in my life change. I got off medications. So for the first time in my life, really... I was able to see that pain-free might be possible. Mm. So where my life before this work, I would say I'd get out of bed every day at like a seven out of 10 in pain. I could get out of bed at a seven, but by the end of the day, the swelling in my knees or a migraine or just feeling exhausted, you know? So it's like rockstar energy drinks to wake up, magnum bottles of wine to go to sleep, Ambien, like fast food, just bad not healthy Mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle. After I made all the lifestyle changes because of the realizations, because of working through some shame and guilt and trauma and all that stuff, then my pain became a four out of 10. But that was the first time the scale was below a five. Mm. So it was the first time I could even conceive that pain-free was possible. Mm. That's when I started to track. That's when I started to learn my own body's cues. And that's what... I realized, I didn't realize it. People started asking me, how did you do it? How did you get pain-free? How did you get off all your medications? And it's because I I became obsessed with learning what is my body trying to tell me Mm. and learning to trust myself. Even if my body's telling me something out of fear, I want to know what it's saying because it's it's telling me for a reason, right? Now I may want to grow or shift what, how it might be operating, but first I need to understand what is it trying to tell me? Mm. And so this, when people started asking me for this process, like, how did I do it? Then I started creating printed versions where I was like, well, here's what I do. With the the book that you gave me, was it that? Totally. Mm. But it's since that book, I've redone it four times. Wow. Because as now I've had a few hundred people use it. Right. And so through that process, 
And I have a free version, which I'll leave at the end too, that anyone, please, like so many people are having massive impact from it. Mm. The thing is, as I saw how many people go through it, then it was how to improve it because then people would give me feedback. Oh man, I wish I had this. Because the first iterations of the book and the same one that you still have, it's focused on negativity Mm. because it's, where's the pain? But Mm. then what's after that, right? Because I didn't know pain-free was possible. So that that didn't exist in my world. Mm. The new versions of the book are focused on the positive things, right? Uh, One thing we call a sovereignty score. I want to get the new book one too. I'll send you with a new (laughs) one, but there's another, another new one I did send then (laughs) (laughs) for the one I have here. But that's the thing is like, then as people went through it and they, and they told me how to improve it and what they wish they had and the results that I was seeing people get. And then because I've been, I've been facilitating, right? So between private clients and all this stuff, they were just like, I want to learn how to do this. Mm. So then that turned into a certification. How do we teach people to be able to coach their clients? Mm. How do we get them to be psychedelic informed, not, not facilitators? We don't need more facilitators. This is what, how do we help clients after they have a psychedelic experience? Yeah. How to see if, how is it supporting you? Mm -hmm. How might it not be? Right. That's a great other point. <laughs> right. And, you know, we've watched this with many friends and the different communities we've been in. There's such a thing as too much, too often, too fast, or just too high dose. Mm-hmm. And if we assign a Western idea that if one night in this amount got me this result, if I do three nights and double it, <laughs> I'll have way more results. That's, that does not translate in this work. Mm. Too much, too fast creates a trauma response in the body. Now, someone might spiritually and mentally feel free, but the body's process oriented. So if you go too fast, your body will literally shut down to recover Mm. because it can't keep up. If your spirit's changing super, super fast and your mind is changing super fast, they can go through the speed of sound to shift. Your body cannot. Mm. It takes some time. So even when I got my innocence back, for example, that made a huge shift in my endometriosis. I haven't had a laparoscopy since. Wow. That doesn't mean the pain was immediately gone. Hmm. There was some residual. There was other things kind of anchored into it. There was learning how to communicate to my body, not just extract the wound Hmm. or the trauma or the experience, right? And so the body takes time. It might take a few weeks. It might take a a few months to catch up. So depending on what substance you're using, you've got hormone releases that your body needs to replenish, Mm -hmm. right? There's your body has systems that don't participate the same way your spirit and your heart and your mind do. So your mind can go to the future and the past. Your heart, love can go anywhere infinitely. Same with your spirit, right? At least from my, my Mm. belief. That's a good way to explain it but your body's only ever in the moment. In the present. Right. So if your spirit goes into another dimension, has this huge realization, but comes back to a body that is in an environment that is not cohesive, then it can cause someone to dissociate, to try to hold on to the realm where they feel most connected because they don't want to be in their body where it's not safe. Mm. But they either don't know what actions to take or they don't have the resources for them. Which is why for me, the danger 
with a lot of people becoming facilitators very quickly after just a few experiences or a few years even, is they have this idea, if I just get to the core wound, then someone will be okay. Like, let's just get to the deepest trauma that'll make the biggest transformation. But it's like remodeling a house. Like if I went into your house right now, right? And you were like, Cole, I want to open concept. I want to take this wall out in between the two bedrooms upstairs. If you just take a hammer to it and you don't know if that's a load bearing wall, your freaking like house could collapse. Mm. So an inexperienced facilitator or shaman is going into someone's internal home And if you go for the load bearing wall, you can collapse the construct so quickly that the person can't function Mm. because there's, there's no support systems for that change. And so let's say someone does want to remodel the infrastructure of their in inside and in their internal environment. If I went into your house, right? Well, not me, (laughs) you would not want me to do it, but a contractor, right? A professional, they, you might say, I want to take this wall out. They'd be like, okay, well, We're going to need to put in a structural beam up on the top. That's going to cost this much money and it's going to take this much manpower and this much time. Those beams are not cheap, right? They're going to give you an estimate and then they're going to put in support infrastructures that are temporary until they get the support beam in place so that the structure doesn't collapse. Mm. So an integration coach, someone that really understands not just psychedelics, but the internal psyche and what happens when you shake things up like that, they're going to come in and survey with you and go, Hmm, I know you really want to get rid of this trauma, but the adaptations and the way you function is kind of what's keeping you afloat right now. So if we go and we remove this trauma and this collapses in, you may not be able to go to work. You may not be able to take care of your kids. Like, we may not want to start with the biggest piece. Mm. We might repaint the front door first, (laughs) right? We might refinish your cabinets and freshen things up Mm. until we can do it in a way that's safe and supported because too much too fast can collapse someone. Mm. It can get them into isolation and fear and overwhelm and then they can't function. Mm. I have times that someone will say, please, Cole, I need you to, I need you to hold space for me or, oh, not now, but when, you know, when we were facilitating and I would just, I would explain to them the infrastructure and I would say, here's the thing. You only have X amount of money and X amount of time. And that's like trying to say, I want my whole house remodeled in yeah. the next 24 hours. <laughs> it's not possible because we have to order parts, right? We need to get, yeah. make sure that we have all, everything that we need for this remodel. So first we need to assess and what you're asking is not possible. So that level of honesty, because when people are desperate, I've had people come and say, look, if you don't, then I'm going to kill myself. Wow. Placing that on another person's a big responsibility. And anytime someone has come to me with that, then the answer is no. Because for my energy, that's not, I will not take someone's life into my hands. Right. Mm-hmm. And if that's the desperation point that they're in, I don't have the resources for what they need, which is why I became so passionate about if I already know people are getting the call, I already know that people are starting to facilitate. I don't get to decide or hold the keys to who becomes a facilitator or a shaman or what the master plants or, or teachers are telling them. Mm-hmm. Right. What I do know is after 14 years, a lot of experience. And what I've seen is 
the greatest contribution that I have to make is to help people identify what they know, Mm -hmm. what they can support, all the amazing gifts and tools that they have, right? And also what they're not equipped to. Mm. And when you have to refer out, right? I'm not going to call a plumber to come in and do my electricity. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, it might all be in the house, but it's not the same thing. Mm. And I might find a plumber that knows a little bit about electricity, but that's not the same thing as an electrician. And so for me, the opportunity for coaches is taking what skill sets you have. Maybe you're a therapist too. Amazing. Use those skills. Maybe you're like me. You never went to college, but I have a lot of life experience. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of amazing coaches and mentors and people that took me under their wing. So I learned frameworks and resource and how to do things non-traditionally because I didn't have any degrees. Mm. Everyone I believe can be a coach in this space to be a psychedelic informed practitioner where they're not touching any substances. So there is no risk to their children, their lifestyle or where they live. I actually think that it can benefit anyone who's in this kind of space of helping people transformation any kind of transformational coaching work because so many people are working with psychedelics now mm-hmm. regardless, you know, and like just having more people equipped to support them through that is just going to help the process even more. And so this is what you and Ta are now doing mm-hmm. is certifying coaches, psychedelic informed practitioners is what you're helping them with integration coaching. Yeah. We're basically sit, we we basically sit down and we go through what someone's skills are, right? We're integrating them. Mm-hmm. We're integrating all of their gifts mm. with what we know. That's cool. Yeah. Well, cause what we know is that everyone has someone that they can love, support and help. They just may not know how. So we're going to integrate what makes them uniquely special, amazing, wonderful, and qualified so that they know what they can support mm. and what they can't. Certain things are absolutely outside of your scope of ability. And, you know, we talked about this earlier um, at lunch. And sometimes the best person for the job is the person that's there because there is no facilitator. Mm -hmm. There is no integration coach. And a lot of people I'm finding right now are the only ones in their community that know anything about this space. And so people are coming to them because they don't know where else to go or who to trust. And so my, my true call to action is for anyone that's been even hesitant because they know they're like us. They know the responsibility is to come to learn what you know, so that you know how to refer people out so that you know what questions to educate your community about what to ask for when they're going down to Costa Rica or Peru or Mexico or Long Island. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? These are happening all over the place. And so is sexual predatory energy. Mm-hmm. And so our power dynamics and inside a lot of, of harm. these spaces inside around, I mean, yeah. these spaces are not devoid or absent of that, the same things that exist in our world. Mm-hmm. Right. And so knowing what questions to ask and what to consider and what kind of containers they are, some containers ask you to wear white clothes. Some tell you, you can't talk to anyone. Some say, talk to everyone. It's about how do you educate the people around you to find a safe space, how to be radically self-responsible, how to have sovereignty together, how to resource in community, 
how to trust and allow yourself to be guided without giving your power away. I do not like the word to surrender. For me- You don't like the word surrender? Yes, because Mm. in most contexts, it's like, well, I need to give in and surrender versus finding a container where you feel safe enough that you will allow yourself to be guided because you feel that safe. Mm. That means what substance you choose matters, what facilitator. If you speak the language of science and medicine and proof and logic, and you go to a very shaman, woo, crystals facilitator, you may not feel safe in your body. Because there's too many things outside of context. There's too many things happening that are unfamiliar to you. And so it can be too hard to relax. And then you may not go to the places you could go Mm. versus what may be more functional for you is someone that is a former doctor, right? Or a clinician, someone that can first describe to you what happens to the BDNF and your neuroplasticity. Mm. And they use all the terms that make you feel like they know what they're talking about. And on the flip side, you may have had trauma from medicine like I have, Mm. where initially that was the last thing I wanted, but I also didn't feel comfortable with the super shamanic, mystical aspects at Mm. first either. So it's hard to believe. Yeah. You know, it it was just like, I didn't trust people already Mm. um, at that point. And so I really found this middle ground for myself that is the intersection of science and mysticism, where I get to play with both. And I speak to someone where they are. Exactly. <laughs> There's the woo-woo, which is, you know, they've got a sh- it's the shaman and the feathers and the crystals. There's woo-resistant that can't stand any of that shit. Um, and then we are, I would actually probably say, I think I've fully slid into the woo now. Wow. Yeah. She's gone pretty woo. But this, this is all happening regardless of whether it's legal or not. Mm. And so what I know is that we can't wait for it to be legalized to have coaches to support it. Mm -hmm. which means not teaching people to facilitate it because that is not legal. And so in order to fully step into this work, getting people to be practice coaches and understanding what happens in the psyche of Mm -hmm. a person and signs that the substance is supporting your client or it's not, you know, bringing everything to the table. Um, Then we teach how to do one-to-one or group coaching. So we Mm -hmm. actually find group coaching garners far more positive outcomes or desirable outcomes than mm-hmm. one-to-one coaching. Can I, and, and not for nothing, but this can also be greatly beneficial even outside of just psychedelic work. hundred percent. Like it's I integration mean, work. You can just, you can apply it to any kind of transformational experiences. Well, that's what they are. Yeah. You know, having, um, anyone that's done like timeline therapy, totally. Yeah. Um, internal family systems. Mm-hmm. This is an integration process. The thing is, if someone comes out of a breakup or a car accident, they don't go, I guess I should look for some integration coaching, yeah. right? People look for it with psychedelics because they have heard how much, it, how necessary it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what caused us to step fully into it. Though we've facilitated for years, um, though we, we have data that no researcher does, by the way, because of Ta's medical background, our intake forms, 40 pages. We did an mm. intake call. We tracked everyone after. Thank you. <laughs> well, it was the only way we could see what's working mm-hmm. and for who, mm-hmm. right? Because we need to know, um, regardless, look, I love to trust the universe like anybody else. And I understand I'm operating under constructs and conditioning. 
And so I need to understand my own conditioning, how projections come into play, how, what, how um, the way that I see things influences what happens. So I need to use some of the conditioning understanding that I've been taught so that I can gauge how it's all going. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for us, integration is not optional. It's happening either way, right? Everyone's integrating right now. The difference is, let's say if I got a big cut, delete, delete, free of this. If I do nothing, it's going to integrate and heal. Might leave a big scar, but my body's going to heal it no matter what. It's just how it heals it is going to vary. If I get with that same cut, if I go to a doctor or a plastic surgeon to sew it up, then it's going to get back in a more functional order or more of the original order or how I want it to be. Mm. That's intentionally integrating. So when we look at the fact like you're always going to integrate, but what took me 14 years, someone could do in two. Mm. And that's, that's my hope. And with how desperate people are getting, the best thing we can do is educate them. Yeah. So true. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. This Mm -hmm. was so insightful. And I know we can talk about this forever, Forever. but but, um, where can people learn more about what you and Todd do about the integration book, about the certification? Where can they, what what do you got going on? Just, I'm going to put in the show notes, of course, as well, but you know. Totally. So if you want to hear more concepts, uh, we have the psychedelic coach podcast, mm-hmm. which we rebranded and just put out a few, not that long that, ago. Yeah. Uh, cause this is all we talk about now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get a great integration guide, if you go to tahkole, T-A-H-K-O-L-E.com backslash free, it's free download. It's a seven day guide. So I recommend it after any big experience and it's one week. So if you want it longer, just replicate it, right? Do it for months, years, whatever. Um, As far as the certification, if you want to learn how to to literally coach groups and integration in a way that helps them to be sovereign, take radical self-responsibility, and is only going to take you about four hours a month of your personal time. Now you're going to have to set up structures, right? There's going to be building, there's going to be lots on the back end. But what we have found is a way to create community that is decentralized so that it supports itself. Mm. You help set up the container. You help teach people how to be resourceful. And then you set them free because we need all hands on deck with where mental health is right now. Mm-hmm. So you can't be locked in on the one-to-one model with how many people are desperate. Mm-hmm. So teaching people how to build community, which is what you do, you build the community, you get it running, you teach people how to rely on each other, how to collaborate. You put them in a container for three months and then you set them free and they've got now got community to grow with. Mm. And so for us, this is my purpose. This is what I'm here to do is to get as many people out and on the ground running as quickly as possible. The training's five days in person um, and then 90 days of integrating what we teach you in the five days. Nice. Um, it's in Austin, Texas. We have one July 14th, no, June 14th to the 18th. And then the nice. next one will be September 6th to the... 11th, 6th to the 10th. Cool. Um, so talkhole.com, you can get the info. If uh, I really believe that everyone 
can do this work as yeah. far as supporting people in this process because of how we teach it. We're very detailed. Uh, we give a lot of structures and templates and we don't, we're not teaching you to have all the answers. We're helping you get clear in what you know, mm-hmm. who you can support, how you can support them with your unique gifts you have now and what the psychedelic informed umbrella will do for you to support more people. Nice. I'm really excited for all of this and for all of the people that you guys are supporting. It's freaking amazing and so needed. I love it. Yeah. So we got June and September for the certification. You got your free guide. So for those listening, make sure you check out the show notes where all the links will be for the guide, the certifications, the podcast to connect with Cole and start to get to know Ta too. I'm going to have him on my podcast as well in yes. a separate episode because he has his own magic to share. Truth. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of this, Cole. This was amazing. And yeah, I'm I so appreciate it. I'm glad we got to. And if anyone likes to laugh at reels, I make fun of all the sacred aspects that oh I love God. so much. I know. I love that. <laughs> I'll leave your Instagram too. Perfect. Sweet. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. If you want extra motivation to manifest a life and business that you're obsessed with, then find me on Instagram at the spiritual boss babe or visit spiritualbossbabe.com. I love you and appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you have a magical day. Thank you.